Hey everyone, I'm your host Tom Shaughnessy and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Hey guys, I also wanted to tell you about Zenledger, the best tax software for cryptocurrency investors and accountants. It's fast and easy to use, and you can get all of your crypto transactions in one place so you can trade smarter and optimize your taxes. Zenledger offers 24-7 customer support by phone, email, or chat to help you get your taxes done stress-free, and it comes with a 100% money-back guarantee because they know you'll love it. Zenledger is giving an exclusive 15% discount to our listeners when you use coupon code CHAIN15. Go to zenledger.io, linked in the show notes below, to get started and get your taxes done fast. With that, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm thrilled to have on Yuri and Eli from Starkware and Will from Diversify to talk about Lockwood and Starkware, Lockwood and Diversify. Let's start off with um, Starkware. Uh, Yuri or Eli, let's um, give the elevator pitch on what Starkware is doing. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having us uh, on your podcast. Um, Starkware is an Israeli startup uh, incorporated a couple of years ago. Uh, we develop uh, proof systems for scalability and privacy and permissionless blockchain. And in particular, we focus on the Stark proof system, which was co-invented by uh, Eli and Michael, two of my co it's excellent to hear. I mean, you guys have made a lot of buzz in the crypto space for what you're able to do scalability-wise. You know, what have you guys achieved there for Ethereum? So our system that will deploy it with uh, Diversify, which we'll talk about uh, today, can reach uh, a TPS, a uh, trades per second of upwards of uh, 9,000 trades per second to be settled on Ethereum. And for payments, we can support uh, twice that much, 18,000, and that's on the current Ethereum with our current system. Uh, that's the kind of scale we can deliver. That's awesome. And Will, you know, before we dive into all the tech and everything going on, it would be great to hear the also the elevator pitch on Diversify so we have some context there. Yeah, so Diversify is a decentralized exchange that allows traders to connect with any Ethereum wallet and have their trades settled uh, between them on the Ethereum blockchain without having to trust a central party. The big benefit that we offer is that we also port liquidity from centralized exchanges and make it available to users so that they can have the advantages that they'd have on a centralized exchange while still having funds always kept in their own, um, well, essentially secured by their own private key. And our background um, was that we launched our current platform a year and a half ago directly on layer zero on Ethereum um, and found that it was a fantastic proof of concept. We quickly scaled and improved. And this was actually under the brand name Ethfinex as Ethfinex Trustless. So we were originally as a team incubated within Bitfinex and, and Ethfinex, which is one of the largest cryptocurrency exchange groups, and then realized as we were uh, sort of testing this out and getting more and more users that, first of all, it worked and it was incredible and in offering a USP that didn't exist anywhere else. But second, that, secondly, that we were very soon going to start hitting um, and we're already hitting some of the limits of what you can do directly on Ethereum, particularly as you try to scale something like our solution. 
Um, and so now we're working with Starkware to take this to the next level and upgrade to a, a essentially a decentralized exchange experience, which combines all of these pieces, but allows us to offer it to professional traders at a very large scale. That's huge. And just for context here, you guys are part of Bitfinex or, or a spin out of some sort? Yeah, so we're now completely independent of Bitfinex, but our team and um, some of this technology was originally incubated in Bitfinex uh, under the brand name Fnex, And that was where we, we essentially originally tested this out. And with obviously the, the tech experience of Bitfinex and, the, and their backing. And as it started to grow, we and Bitfinex realized that the next evolution of this was to completely separate out. And so our team now is is, is outside of Bitfinex and, and independent, although we benefit from some of their, their technical advice, advice still. No, that, that's helpful context. And, you know, back to you, the Starkware team here, I'm just wondering, you know, how did you come to think about partnering with Diversify or I guess to Diversify approach you guys? Just kind of wondering the genesis for the collaboration here. So um, when we started working on uh, Starkware, it was uh, apparent that proof systems can be used for uh, two main uh, applications in the permissionless uh, blockchain space. One is privacy and the other is scalability. Uh, we uh, quickly reached the conclusion that uh, monetizing on the scalability front, specifically with a layer two solution, is the, is the right way to go. And doing so over Ethereum would be a meaningful uh, value that we meaningful value that we could bring to the ecosystem. The the natural starting point, the, the sort of the, the killer app to date over Ethereum is trading, and so uh, we started looking for a team we could partner with to build this scalability engine to power their platform. Um, it was actually a year ago at ECC in Paris that we met with uh, Will for the first time, and that uh, that was the beginning of the relationship. That's huge and. So I guess the, the moral of the story here is that Diversify is a decentralized exchange, but it doesn't have the scalability of a centralized exchange. And they're going to use your Stark scalability tech to basically power that high throughput. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So, Will, back to you here. I mean, what are the benefits you see beyond just scalability? Or, I mean, is that the key benefit? Because when we compare centralized exchanges to decentralized exchanges, you know, everybody loves the non-custodial aspects, but there's also, you know, issues with liquidity and throughput and, and things along that nature. Yeah, so in a way, although scalability is um, the kind of solution we think, as you, said, as you said, you know, it actually addresses or helps us address many other underlying problems. And so, you know, we'd actually, even long before meeting start, where realized that we needed to be able to settle higher numbers of transactions at lower cost uh, and had been working on various other solutions, including a, a solution that we got very advanced with, which was a, plas- a link uh, similar to Plasma, which is one of the other popular but, but um, scaling technologies, but very different from what we've ended up um, doing here. And the main advantage beyond just being able to handle more, more n- higher number of trades is being able to reduce the cost per settlement. So. Um, one of the issues that we see on many DEXs is low liquidity, and there are various reasons for that. But one of them is the high cost that you see um, in, in putting every single trade and often much more um, additional data into the Ethereum blockchain. And um, that translates from 
to, to, to the user's perspective as um, as them having to to pay more and therefore not being willing to make their bids and offers as competitive uh, and, and the pricing therefore follows a delay from what you'd see on a centralized exchange. But equally, they're limited in in speed. So if, if, there's a, if there's a very fast moving market and you want to react to that, you, you may take, it may take tens of seconds before you can place a trade, at which point it's too late and the opportunity is gone. And so although you know, having a higher number of trades going through the system is, is one benefit, the, the biggest one we see is the lower, lower potential cost at scale and also higher speed of trading. So if you're an algorithmic trader, this is a solution that you could use and it would seem to the end customer like a professional centralized exchange rather than a slow decentralized exchange because you're not waiting for each trade to go onto the blockchain before you can keep uh, placing orders. So essentially, yeah, it, it abstracts away all the issues that you get from uh, a blockchain. No, that's huge. I mean, it sounds like kind of the the holy trinity here, right? Like you have all the benefits of a centralized exchange on a decentralized exchange. The other question here is, you know, what's the status of your partnership? Is Starkware currently powering Diversify or is there something planned for the future? So right now we haven't launched into sort of mainnet Ethereum, a version of this, but we're now very, very close to releasing uh, a first version, which will be available on the Ethereum mainnet. Currently it's um, developed and, and going through extensive testing on uh, one of the Ethereum test networks. And this weekend coming, um, we'll be spon- we're, we're joint sponsoring a hackathon at Ethereum London, where it will be the first chance for developers to interact with the APIs and start to give some feedback on the design of this system. So it's, it's just taking that, that corner now from being um, a, a, a tested uh, but uh, prototype test network um, solution to becoming a production ready solution. No, that's fair. And the other question for you guys here is, you know, I'm noticing a lot of decentralized exchanges that are trying to leverage layer two to bring scale because it definitely is an issue. We had IDEX's founder, Alex on, and they're doing something similar, you know, a bit different. They're leveraging their own layer two. It seems like it's kind of a, a race here where every decentralized exchange is trying to now keep the qualities of you know, being non-custodial nature, but also leverage high scale through layer two. Do you think this is going to be like the next competitive factor for the next year? Because I feel like whoever could solve this first and leverage high throughput on a real DEX, you know, will have some serious benefits. I, th- I think absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not optional. Um, and, and we don't see it as an, as an optional upgrade. It's something that we have to do because that's the direction that we've, we're feeling the pressure from traders and customers. And I think any, and, and you know, there will be multiple attempts at different different ways of achieving that scaling and achieving higher speed, lower cost, um, privacy, which is also one of the key things that our solution brings to a customer that some others don't. And ultimately, once these sorts of solutions are in the wild and being used, I think it's not just that all DEXs will need to do that, but I think centralized exchanges will start to feel the pressure in that we're offering then pretty much the same experience you'd get on those platforms, but without having to, to lose or, or, or without the benefit that, um, the tr- of trust minimization that you get of having um, settlement links to a public blockchain. No, that's fair. I like, I like the vision. And you're an Eli. We got to go back to you guys for a bit to talk about the tech that's kind of underpinning this advancement here. You guys have gotten a lot of 
you know, great press. You guys are really well known in the industry. You raised, you know, $30 million, I think was your last round or might be your series A, I think last or last October. Tell us about what exactly Starks are for those who might not be aware and, and those that don't know the depth that you guys went to for this. So Starks uh, are a particular kind of uh, a zero knowledge proof system that have uh, extreme uh, scalability. That's the S which means that basically the proofs are exponentially smaller than the amount of computation that is attested for, and they are transparent, that's the T in a Stark, which means that there is no trusted setup uh, needed to be involved with them. So, um, And and there is a lot of math going behind the scenes uh, related to things like cryptography and uh, arithmetic over finite fields, and uh, you know a whole bunch of very cool stuff that, that I, I don't want to you know lose the listeners with uh, in this context. But it all boils down to getting something that you could think of as a sort of a receipt uh, that you get from a restaurant or a, a grocery store, where this receipt is really a, a short string of characters that proves to you that the total sum you need to pay is correct. So our Stark. Uh, proof and our Stark technology allows you to get similar kinds of uh, you know receipts that you can trust for computational integrity for knowing that a computation has been done correctly. In the case of Stark X, this computation would be the settlement of a you know a large batch of trades. Um, so the Stark proofs attest to the computational integrity and correctness of a large batch of settlements. Um, And that's how we sort of achieve scale because the size of the proof and the gas cost needed to verify it is exponentially smaller on an amortized basis than the amount of gas you would have to pay for settling, you know, each trade directly on the main chain. Just to give some numbers, um, settling uh, a non-custodial trade on Ethereum's mainnet costs around 200,000 gas, whereas the amortized gas cost in a huge batch that we can generate, uh, you know, a batch that has a settlement of 64,000 trades in it, then the amortized gas cost per single trade is only uh, less than 100 gas. So you go down by a factor of more than 1,000. In the amortized gas cost by using our system at its extreme. Wow. So, I mean, it's a complex field of study, zero knowledge proofs. I mean, you have ZK Snarks, mm-hmm. ZK Starks, which you guys are on, Bulletproofs, things like Aztec Protocol. I think one of the main things that stands out to me is the difference between ZK Snarks and ZK Starks is that there's no trusted setup with your route. Is that correct? That's Definitely one of the main, the stark differences, uh, pun intended. Uh, There are other uh, very important ones. Um, Our proving time is uh, much faster than that of snarks. Um, And our systems are not only, um, you know, transparent, but they are also post-quantum secure. And it all falls down. So the efficiency, the no trusted setup, and the, um, I mean, the transparency and the um, uh, post-quantum security, they all come from using basically, um, you know, more math, but but proven math 
rather than uh, all kinds of uh, number theoretic uh, cryptographic assumptions about factoring and things like that. So there's one root cause uh, that explains all of the added benefits of Starks, and that root cause is using more math um, to sort of uh, make things more efficient, less trustworthy, sorry, less, uh, you know, trust-based, and uh, and hence uh, also more trustworthy um, and post-quantum secure. Hey guys, I also wanted to tell you about Zenledger, the best tax software for cryptocurrency investors and accountants. It's fast and easy to use, and you can get all of your crypto transactions in one place so you can trade smarter and optimize your taxes. Zenledger offers 24-7 customer support by phone, email, or chat to help you get your taxes done stress-free, and it comes with a 100% money-back guarantee because they know you'll love it. Zenledger is giving an exclusive 15% discount to our listeners when you use coupon code CHAIN15. Go to zenledger.io, linked in the show notes below, to get started and get your taxes done fast. Got it. So, I mean, there's notable projects though, that are leveraging ZK Snarks, not the tech you guys are using. You're on Starks, but Zcash comes to mind on ZK Snarks. And, you know, they always get pushback for their kind of trusted setup with their ceremony. I think there was one or two. You know, it's kind of weird though. I mean, you know, I personally think that it you know, was done the right way, but there's always that hangover that something bad can go wrong. Yeah, well, it's interesting you point out Zcash. First of all, um, so Alessandro Chiesa, who's our co-founder and chief scientist, and myself, we are both um, co-founders also of, of Zcash. And, uh, you know, we both, uh, you know, did a whole bunch of works also on ZK Snarks. Um, I think there, you know, that's a great technology and it definitely suffices for privacy solutions like that used in uh, Zcash which we all agree is a, is a great project that, you know, moved the field forward. However, when you go, you know, to the next level and you want uh, unlimited scalability, then first of all, this uh, trusted setup becomes a bit of a problem. Um, you want to use things that are a bit more universal, where you don't need to generate a new set of keys every time you sort of improve the circuit. Um, that's one aspect where you want to go beyond the uh, trusted setup. And more fundamentally, as a technology, right, you would rather, because we, we, we all believe that this technology of zero-knowledge proofs is going to be used someday, even by, you know, the most powerful of monopolies or governments to attest to the citizens that everything has been done with computational integrity. And in that context, when you're thinking or imagining a very powerful entity uh, requested to prove computational integrity to others, that's where you really, really want to make sure the most that that uh, there's no need for a, trust, a trusted setup. And you really, really want and need uh, transparent systems, uh, which is exactly what uh, Starks uh, give you. That's huge. And, you know, I'd be remiss to not ask you, but are you of the opinion that we will reach a point where some AI or some crazy scientist in a quantum you know, reality in the future, we'll be able to hack and potentially attack a lot of the coins or protocols today that are not quantum resistant? Yeah, I believe, uh, you know, I believe that's a plausible security threat. Yes, I think that, um, you know, that's another good reason to use uh, Starks. Uh, the only security assumption backing a Stark is really just uh, that there exists uh, some collision-resistant hash. And, and there is an abundance of those, you know, a bunch that are also 
plausibly post-quantum secure. Whereas a lot of the uh, you know exotic and newer kinds of uh, proof systems out there, they rely on more exotic um, cryptographic assumptions, things like you know knowledge of exponents or various uh, um, new kinds of uh, groups of unknown orders and, and uh, derivatives of them. These are assumptions that are, first of all, very uh, you know new, and and there's not as much. Uh, you know, economic value lying on these assumptions, as you have with uh, the existence of a hash, and also they 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 incorporate in them a lot of uh, you know algebraic structure that I, for one, you know, fear whether this uh, you know hypothetical uh, researcher in the future, near or far, will actually use to uh, uh, make the systems weaker. And uh, if history is a precedence, indeed, we have seen all kinds of, uh, you know, RSA famously started at being, you know, believed to be secure at very small key sizes. And over time, as, as attacks, you know, were found to be better and better, you you need to increase the key size. And I think similar things are very likely to happen with uh, a lot of these more exotic uh, proof systems. But uh with the Starks, they're less likely because we have uh, a lot of provable guarantees on, on their soundness. That's fair. And the other question for you there is, are there any risks to what you guys build on top of in this post-quantum world? It's just an interesting concept to explore. Like, you know, you guys might be quantum resistant, but what about Ethereum? Yeah, you're right. A lot of stuff in Ethereum is not uh, post-quantum resistant. But uh, to be fair, um, they are talking about things like, you know, uh, ETH2 and ETH3, where the, one of the design goals will be for it to be post-quantum secure. And in particular, uh, in their view, um, things like Starks are going to play a very prominent role in this. That's fair. And, you know, let's go back to diversify a bit, because I want to uh, go down that AI rabbit hole all day with you guys. But, uh, Will, another question here for you. There's obviously a lot of competition on your side, not only from centralized exchanges, but from your, you know, more DeFi-based or more crypto-native ideas, things like Uniswap, Kyber, things along that nature. How do you plan to take down those types of projects? And will Starkware help you do that? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't say I want to take down those sorts of projects. Definitely, you know, I, I admire a lot of the projects you just mentioned, and there's a there's a whole different aspect here, which is the DeFi composability type um, exchanges, which allow a single on-chain trade to happen, you know, with all sorts of other transactions bundled in together, which is itself very exciting. It doesn't address, though, the same niche, which centralized exchanges currently fill, which is for professional traders who are trading at very high speed, and also for people who want to, to actually get best price execution. They may be doing arbitrage and all sorts of other types of trading. And that's where we think we're really going to solve a new problem. So we're saying to those customers actually who are currently or have no choice except to use you know, a large centralized cryptocurrency exchange and trust them with all of their funds, that actually there is an alternative. And we think actually the route that we want to go down is to be able to then also become interoperable with these sorts of on-chain uh, other liquidity sources, which may not be able to directly themselves serve professional traders but that you know there's still going to be many opportunities to link together and and allow trading to or arbitrage opportunities for example to be taken between the two um, and and i think that the, the very unique thing about our solution over for example uniswap or kyber is going to be 
the speed at which you can trade, but also the liquidity you can actually get through through these. And although those are, are growing in terms of the liquidity they can offer for, for takers who want to take you know, quickly a small amount of, let's say, selling one token for another, um, they're, not, they're not able to really deal with people who want to A, be able to have some level of privacy and B, put huge volumes through in a, sh- a very short space of time without relying on someone else to come and directly kind of add more liquidity into those protocols. So definitely, you know, it's not, it's not a winner takes all in terms of serving different markets, but we, we'll ha- we have some very um, strong advantages there. No, that's fair. And I guess there's a question for either Will or Eli on the Starkware side, you know, your Starks are not only for scalability, but you mentioned they're also for privacy. Do those privacy aspects, will they also be implemented when you guys integrate with Diversify? Or is this kind of choose your feature or basically because you guys are implementing your Stark protocol, you basically get all the benefits at once? So adding what's called zero knowledge to the Stark proofs is the easy part. Question is whether, uh, you know, we haven't done it yet, but that would be very easy to do. The question is, does that give you privacy? And the answer to that is, uh, you know, it gives a bit of privacy. And let me explain why. The ultimate reason is that Ethereum is account-based. And, uh, you know, when you do settlement on accounts, basically the settling process already sort of shows you or you can figure out who paid and who received and at what prices. So just adding zero knowledge on top of the settlement process won't give you complete privacy. Uh, We are, of course, uh, providing a whole lot of privacy by sort of uh, moving the data off-chain, which limits the kind of information that someone looking from the outside can use. And definitely for future phases, we're going to, uh, you know, boost up the the privacy demands um yeah so that's definitely on both diversifies table and on ours that's fair and the other question for you guys is you know i don't think we really kind of address this on but it's really amazing that we're now seeing a scalability and privacy tech startware being used to power a real application a real use case which is an exchange and i think a lot of scalability, you know, privacy tech out there is kind of, you know, vague at this point, like they're building, but nobody's really using it yet. You know, what do you guys feel about kind of the maturity of the space here? Because I feel like it's kind of getting brushed over a bit that you guys are powering a real use case here. That's a uh, terrific question because, I mean, what we see a lot in the space of uh, zero knowledge, um, you know, on blockchains. So we see several things. First, there's a lot of amazing research out there, you know, research papers coming not just from academia, but also from teams, you know, things like um, uh, Redshift and and, and Fractal and uh, Halo and Supersonic and Plunk and Slunk and a whole bunch of them, okay? And we're also seeing some, um, you know, initial developer tools, uh, quite a few of them, you know, uh, Zexi and uh, Zocrates and, and and a whole bunch of things that um, that are definitely really good to test the waters and get, you know, an understanding of. But when you look at actual, you know, ZKP-based products that deliver, you know, value, 
There are very few of them. I mean, there's, of course, Zcash, but there are very few and far between. And, and we do believe that ours, which will be very soon deployed, will sort of stand out as a production-grade uh, ZKP product that actually you know, holds on its shoulders a lot of uh, actual value. Yeah, I mean, attracting apps that are using your tech is huge. And, you know, I've always been of the opinion that there's just too many projects out there on layer two and and especially layer one. I feel like eventually we're going to see a lot of scalability tech either consolidate or, you know, the weaker projects kind of die off. Do you kind of feel that the layer two space is a bit crowded now? I mean, I, I think I could quickly answer that one from, from Diversify's perspective in that when we were looking for, I mean, looking for a solution to scale, actually, it felt like we were being pitched a lot. There were a lot of um, scalability technologies out there, as you said, who were looking for that first use case, but don't have one. And the problem that we had usually was that they had had something really interesting, it was a very interesting technology, but it wasn't tailored towards an exchange, for example. Um, and ultimately, none of the solutions quite cut exactly what we were looking for. And in the end, we started working on an alternative ourselves until we spoke with Starkware. And I think the nice thing about this collaboration has been that in in working so closely together, the solution is very tailored towards exchange rather than board-based for all sorts of applications. But the the competition is still, you know, still seems to be going very hard on the generalized scaling. And so that's not something that works so well for exchange yeah, no, that that's fair. I feel like I get pitched a new layer two kind of every day on our research. So it's good to hear that you know they're we're hitting that kind of production inflection point in the space. Guys, another kind of you know far out question here. I guess this one's for you, Will. But do you feel at a high level that your decks eventually can grow to put Coinbase and Binance out of business, or do you think they'll always have their place in the space? It's hard to know whether the brands themselves, I mean, will would disappear. And I think they, they're, they're very strong companies, which likely will adapt. But what I do think is becoming increasingly clear is that the merge between actually using blockchain-based technology, uh, other types of cryptography to minimize trust for traders is a wave that's already clearly going to happen. As, I, you know, as we've seen, multiple DEXs, um, have proved the concept. We've also been running our kind of current version of Diversify for a year and a half and, and seen what it can do. The question is just now how to make it cheaper and faster while combining all the benefits of, for example, the, the whole DeFi ecosystem and getting advantages, which, you know, if you look at um, some of the apps that are now there, you, you, you can, for example, also link earning, earning interest on DAI deposits, all sorts of other things into these exchanges, which you can't do directly on a centralized exchange. And so I think those big exchanges that you mentioned are already likely looking at potentially using these sorts of technologies and finding ways to also adapt to the kind of wave that's happening either through um, vertical integration or through acquisitions and and building things themselves. But it's definitely, in my view, um, already you know, happening and, and sort of an unstoppable train at this point in terms of decentralized exchange. No, that, that's fair. I guess mentally, I think about the space that centralized exchanges will always be needed for that fiat on ramp and that easy retail exchange, which obviously has a huge user base. And DEXs could be used more by people that, you know, 
not want to trade anonymously, but want to control their funds, use their own wallet, et cetera. And I also think about it being used in between you know, different dApps and use cases more programmatically. I guess the question, though, or, or the pushback is, you know, can you ever really achieve a size that's greater than a Binance, a Bitfinex, a Coinbase, take your pick, given that you'll always kind of be hampered by not really having that fiat on-ramp? I think you're right that the, the fiat on-ramp is naturally going to be the hardest. I mean, it's the hardest thing to decentralize if it, if it can be at all. You know, there's different ways people have looked at doing various types of decentralized fiat onboarding in the past. But actually, you know, Binance achieved its scale without fiat onboarding uh, and brought it on later. And these are pieces that can be outsourced almost, as we've seen happening already with stablecoin movements. And um, I, I don't think that's necessarily a blocker for decentralized exchanges. Um, you could imagine a whole cust- set of customer bases who might onboard via um, a centralized company who does their fiat onboarding and, and then issues them a, a centralized stablecoin like USDC, which they can use to trade on any number of, of DEXs. And you know that, that can be abstracted anyway for, from a customer point of view that they, they um, end up not really experiencing uh, any friction on that. No, that, that's fair. And you're right on Binance. They've achieved incredible growth on their platform without a fiat on-ramp. The other, or my, one of my last questions for you, Will, is that, you know, Binance released their Binance Cloud kind of to enable anybody to basically build their own exchange, I guess, you know, with their security and potentially their you know risk controls and data security and, and all these things. Do you think something like that is a threat to your business model or, or not so much? Um, it's something which... We, we thought a little bit about, but I mean, the, the reality at this point is that pure uh, centralized exchange technology is is rapidly becoming a commodity. And of course, you know, something like this cloud service is proving that point even more. And, and there are hundreds already of, I mean, not hundreds, but there are multiple other cloud-based services where you can essentially go to go and say, we would like to spin up a new exchange. We're going to brand the front of it. And here we go, new centralized exchange two months later particularly in Asia, but also there are others in, in Europe and around the world. And that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. That's not offering anything new. I think the big difference here, which is much harder to replicate and you know, still where the competition is now going to be, is this trust minimization. But you know, ultimately, time will tell how the industry evolves. But if, if people do start moving more and more towards trading from, from wallets and from custody rather than from you know, one single centralized company, I think naturally that it is not really a direct threat to that continued movement. No, that's fair. I definitely think that there is, you know, as a subset, I do think there's kind of a world where, you know, the self-sovereign crypto people, the people that have ledgers and metamasks are definitely going to continue to use DEXs away from, you know, the more retail focused crowds. That's helpful. And Eli, I'd like to go back to you, just a few closing questions on Starkware. You know, this is this makes a lot of sense for Diversify. Like, I, I clearly see the value in having higher throughput, potentially having privacy, really powering the exchange to get more liquidity and, and drive a moat using your technology. But I'm just wondering, you know, how does value from this relationship flow to Starkware itself? I'll, I'll let, I think Uri is better qualified to answer this. Uri, do you want to take a shot? Sure. Um, so um, our scalability engine can basically uh, be considered a means of uh, saving the application 
uh, gas cost on Ethereum and allowing it to scale essentially indefinitely. And uh, so think of us as a compression service. And for this service, we charge a fee of the uh, application provider. Uh, that's what we're doing Diversify. That's what we'll be doing with uh, others uh, very soon. That's huge. That's good, guys. And what's what else is on the timeline for Starkware? Is there anything you guys are looking forward to over the next 12 months that we should be aware of? Sure. So we, uh, in addition to fungible tokens, we're also starting to look at non-fungible tokens and the many applications for, uh, for these uh, on, on Ethereum and other blockchains. Uh, so that's something we've just started exploring uh, very recently. But uh, we, we're excited about what we see there. So uh, stay tuned for some news. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, guys, it's really cool to have you on. I, I do think it is quite remarkable that we have a real inflection point here, that we have a layer two scaling tech and privacy solution actually powering a existing business model that is large and legitimate, and that's exchanges. So I think it's uh, you know a cornerstone for the industry. I think we're going to look back on this partnership, hopefully, as a as a big deal, guys. It's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thanks, Tim. For Thank you. And just, um, Eli, tell people where they could find out more about yourself and Starkware, and then we'll go over to uh, Will on Diversify for the same question. Okay, so uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are Starkware LTD. That's our handle. Our website is starkware.co, um, not com, but co. And uh, through there, you can also find our Medium blog posts and you can sign up to our uh, mailing lists. And uh, those are the two resources. That's awesome. Will, what about yourself and Diversify? So the best place to, to keep up to date is on uh, Twitter and also at our website. Um, on both, it's Diversify, spelt, using, spelt like a DeFi, so D-E-V-E-R-S-E-F-I.com. Excellent. Well, everyone listening, if you scroll down, I'm going to link to Diversify, check out the exchange, check out what they're doing there. And also Stark will be listed, as well as Eli and Will and Yuri's Twitters and everything there. So you can check out uh, what they're doing. Guys, thanks so much again for hopping on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.